Well, good morning, good old sports fans. It's another great morning to be a sports fan, and uh, we're here for more of the sports news going on. And you know, we were just talking, uh, you know, before the show, Ray, that sports is an everyday, constant thing. Yeah, it's uh, something always going down on the hour at the hour. Uh, it's almost like if if you don't keep up with it, you'll miss it entirely. Uh, one How of the- did we ever do this on a weekly show? That's what I want to. <laughs> Man, I mean, it's, I mean, we constantly watch sports. I mean, like I said, we've said before is that I grew up uh, watching sports all my life. So my brother is, if I don't keep him updated now, he keeps me updated. Yeah. And so it's it's one of those things like he'll send me something and I'll go read it or look it up uh, either about athletes or about what's going on. It's just like the other day uh, when uh, Monday night he shot me the text about Max Dugan uh talking with the Cowboys. Mm-hmm. So I didn't know anything about this. So, I mean, man, we, we have people to keep us updated. Just like, you know, we have Elwin that, you know, keeps yes. us updated. Uh, and um, so if we're not looking for it, we have people that uh, keeps keeps us updated. And that's, I mean, that's, that's really good because it's constant. There's always something going on. Since we start doing this, man, it's like literally every day. Once we finish the show and say, peace, that's it. Another update, like yeah, big, something else has happened. <laughs> like, That's what I'm saying. I can't believe that we ever did this just as a weekly yeah. show because we we missed out on it, it's yeah, it's so much stuff that that goes on. Um, so you know, us doing this daily, we're able to you know after we do this show, we literally go into looking up. Okay, what's going on now? Mm-hmm. Uh, because by the time we finish this show, it's already almost twelve. It's in the afternoon, so. Um, by then there's so much news that's being broke and, uh, so we got to keep updated and we got to keep you guys updated as well. So, uh, what are we starting with today? Well, uh, starting off in the NFL, I mean the NBA. Yeah. The uh, NFL dominates the headlines. Yeah, it does. We're going to get to plenty of that here in a moment. A couple of things in the NBA that happened last night. The Suns beat the Warriors 125 to 113. And kind of, you know, as I'm looking at some highlights from that game and looking at statistics from that game, didn't get to watch that one uh, as it's over there on the the West Coast. But, uh, you know, at what point does Golden State hit the reset? I I don't know about a whole (laughs) rebuild because that's going to be tough to do. um, But but hit the reset on this thing. Well, we've talked about this a few few times uh, on the show is I believe that could happen this um, offseason. First starting with Draymond Green. You know, does he stay with the Warriors or uh, does he part ways? But I think that's when they kind of hit the reset. I wouldn't say, say you know, he should part. Because I say I've always said that Draymond Green, he is. The centerpiece of that Warriors defense and that Warriors team, you know, it's almost as if they don't quite function well without him. Uh, he's been the one that's been consistent, barring the ejections and all the stuff that he does. But he's been the one that's been consistent. You know, when Steph has went down, uh, when KD went down, when uh, even when um, Clay Thompson went down, he's been the consistent player on that team. So uh, I don't, I don't. Without them hitting the the reset button, without tearing everything apart, it's kind of hard because uh, I mean you know they want to keep J- uh, Jordan Poole. That's one of the main pieces right now. But as far as everybody else goes, I mean you, I think you just have to figure out what it, what do they fit 
Well, you now. can't trade Steph. No. I mean, you, you're not going to trade him. Well, you locked him down, so I well, mean... Well, not only from a contract perspective, but just from a PR perspective. You can't trade a guy who was the face of your franchise. Like, you, he's one of those untradeable players. Well, yeah. Well, if that's the case, then, I mean... You can't you can't hit reset without getting rid of somebody, and I believe. Well, it's either, I think Draymond's gone. I, either him or Clay Thompson, or both. Yeah. At this point, I mean, if it depends, I mean, you're still in the playoff spot, so I can't imagine that you're going to trade Clay as long as you've got a playoff spot. Yeah. I do think that even in that situation, you could see a move where they trade Draymond. I mean. He, he's worth something, he, you know. Maybe get a draft pick, maybe a player out of the deal, something yeah. of that nature. But, uh, but honestly, I don't see Draymond going anywhere else. I do, however, see Clay being uh, a possible trade piece. But Draymond was being shopped around. I mean, the Lakers were asking about him. Yeah, and there was some rumors about him in the Nets. But I mean, there were some teams that made some calls. Now, whether those teams are still interested, I don't see Brooklyn adding somebody like him. I think then you're just blowing up what little chemistry you've got going. Yeah, uh, I don't think you want to take that chance. Does Philadelphia uh, make a phone call? Because I'm going to talk about them there in a second. Uh, you know, Lakers probably not bringing him in because I think the Lakers are trading pieces off. You know, I, I don't see them adding somebody like him to the mix. Um. I don't know, man. I just can't see Draymond being a draft. I mean, a trade piece right now. I, like I said, more so Clay Thompson. But here's the thing with the Warriors is, and you've said this before, is they, you know, squeezed out one more championship that they had left in them last year. Mm-hmm. And with that being said, the you don't have the same players you had back in 2015 up to this point. You know, you don't. You, it's not the same league. The well, league has gotten better. Since the the then. league caught up to Golden State. Yeah, and that so that's the that's the thing is now that everybody else is somewhat on the same level, you know, shooting wise, basketball wise, you have to rethink your philosophy and what you want to do offensive, you know, offensively. I think you know if they were to keep the team together, um, they rethink that. Get Jordan Poole a little bit more involved. Um, on the office, offensive side of the ball. But I don't know how that's going to be substantial with, you know, with Draymond being there and, and Clay Thompson. If you trade those two guys, you can get somebody, you, you can get more shooters if you want to indeed uh, resuscitate that Splash Brothers chemistry. Style of yeah. Um, but... But even that, okay, let's say you, you make those moves, right? And you kind of go back to that up-tempo, we're going to shoot the ball, do whatever we got to do to score points kind of offense. The rest of the league is doing that now. That, yeah. I mean, that that's I think that's where we're kind of at with the Warriors is that, you know, for that run that they went on, they were something we had never seen before. Right. We, you know, we, we had not seen a team just shoot the basketball the way that they shot the basketball you certainly had never seen a, a shooter like Steph Curry, you know, that, that would just pull up at half court, drain one, and go back to the other end. Like, you hadn't seen that. And so we kind of got enamored with, hey, here's a team who's scoring a bunch of points. You know, they went on that run where they uh, were undefeated for the begin- what seemed like the whole first half uh, that one year. So 
you, you look at them and you go, that's something we're not accustomed to. But then now you look at them and you go, hey, that, that's just another team in the the NBA. That, that other teams kind of looked at that and said, we're going to build a similar type of team. You know, and a similar yeah. type of approach. And it seems like the league just finally caught up. Well, okay, and think about this is now not only have they caught up, is that they've kind of mixed it up. So it, for a while it was, okay, the teams had the shooters, you know. The, yeah. But now it's all around basketball. I mean, okay, you look at, we talked about this, you look at uh, look at Brooklyn. They don't have, like, shooters. Out, you know, they have shooters, but everybody's not. A shooter. Uh, yeah. yeah. But they can play basketball. They're good in the paint. They're just an all-around good basketball team. Philadelphia's Philly, that yeah, way. Philly's yeah. the same way. Um, Denver, Denver, is that way. Denver, and then you look at Milwaukee. Well, Milwaukee's always been that type of way. The Celtics are now that way. They have shooters, but they're just a basketball team. They're not um, three-point shooters. Houston, the, the the team that tried it the most and succeeded at it to some, you know, limited. Success. Yeah, because I mean, you've seen how that Mike D'Antoni did it, and it worked, but it was limited, and it only worked for so long uh, because he ran the you know the small man, small man, you know, small ball, type small of ball, offense. and that's it. It worked, but it got dominated in the playoffs. You know, Lakers killed them. Um, it's it's not like it, it's a it'll, well. That's what separated Golden State from everybody was that they're style was sustainable in the playoffs. Yeah. Uh, you know, Houston really wasn't. But now, like I said, you, you're you're in the playoff spot still, even with a losing record. I mean, you're one game under five hundred at this point after last night. So you're still in that playoff picture. But if you're not one of the top teams, like if you look at it and you say, we're not going to win a championship this year, then in my mind, hit the reset. Do something that will set you up for success maybe next year or the next couple of years. Something of that nature because for all intents and purposes, it seems that Draymond's gone. Like, it, it there doesn't seem a whole to be a whole lot of mutual interest in, you know, after his contract's up at the end of the year that he's coming back. He's, you know, kind of put yeah. his feelers out there himself. They put some feelers out there in the offseason. Teams made phone calls, you know, about him. So it doesn't seem like he's coming back. And I just don't understand if you're not a championship contending team and there's no piece out there that you say, hey, if we add him, we bring him in. Because you think about who's kind of being shopped around right now in the NBA and you don't look at any of them and go, okay, well, if you put them on Golden State, now Golden State's suddenly a a championship contender. You just don't think that way. And if you're not thinking that way, in my mind, you've got to start looking at the future at that point. Not that you don't want to make the playoffs or anything like that, because, hey, playoffs are playoffs uh, for a franchise like Golden State Yeah. in the sense that you've got to keep that fan base happy. Uh, but at the same time, you don't want to, and this is my deal with the, the Lakers, you don't want to mortgage the future for a playoff game. Right. Well, I look at it this way, too, is that... The free agency market has opened. So I think if Golden State were going to make any kind of moves from within the uh, NBA as it is right now, 
it all depends on who's the market. The biggest name on the market right now is uh, Kimball Walker. Mm. And so, uh, say they do go get a Kimball Walker. All right, then I think that's a great, great fit for their offense and how their offense should be. I, and I think Golden State kind of has to get rid of, well, it's kind of dropping the identity is that we're just going to pull up at the uh, three-point line and just shoot it and mm. dare you to stop us. I think their identity is changing to where if you do add a Kimball Walker, then it'll be great um, just for the transition of your offense. Um, but it just depends on who's out there. Now, in the draft class is where they're going to have to do the most work if they're looking at, okay, we want to change our identity. We want to transition and kind of keep up with the league, but we want to be good at what we do and have our own identity. I think if you still have Steph you're still able to do that, you know, have that shooter, you know, mentality, uh, come stop us. You well, know? well, Steph's going to be the centerpiece. Yeah. I, I just, like I said, I don't, I, I can't imagine a scenario. I, I think, I think what works for the, works for the Warriors is, is when they do have shooters, because, uh, go back to Houston. Houston had shooters, but what the big difference between Houston and Golden State, um, and those times were that they, they go to state had a game plan with the players yeah. that they had. I mean, you you look at it with Clay on on the court with Steph, and then you had uh, Iguodala. You had those guys and Draymond. You had them in position to do what they did best. So if Steph didn't have a shot, he passed it over to Clay in the corner. You know, Clay got you know Steph don't got it. Clay got it. Hmm. You know, or and it's like. I dare you to stop us, you know, because if you ain't covering, if you're double teaming uh, Steph, you're leaving Clay wide open, and Clay can shoot all day too. Yeah, and if you cover double teaming those two, then you need Iguodala, and so it's like they had a game plan and dared teams to stop them. Where Houston just ran at you, mm. and, you know, was fast small ball, and so you could you could keep up with Houston if you had some guys that were good and in transition that were good uh, coming off the bench and that had stamina and could shoot. Well, and you you had the advantage of the fact that James Harden had such an ego that he wanted to run the show. Exactly. He was going to try and get his. Speaking of James Harden, so uh, the 76ers, of course, like I said, blow out uh, the Pistons 147 to 116 Ooh, last night. Gosh. But Harden made some comments yesterday uh, mm. that I wanted to – this was prior to the game – that I wanted to highlight. Uh, now, Doc Rivers had been asked about James Harden and compared him to Magic Johnson, shooting Magic, jo- uh, shooting Magic Johnson. Okay. Uh, let's see. This was Harden's comment. I'm James Harden, he told Vincent Goodwill of y- Yahoo Sports. I'm going to get on Doc too, but I'm James Harden. Magic Johnson was an unbelievable basketball player. Done so many things for this league, but I'm James Harden. Uh, let's see. Good Goodwill noted the comparison came up because Doc Rivers called the guard a scoring Magic Johnson, even if the 76ers head coach wasn't even thrilled with himself with the comparison he made. So uh, the response that Harden said to that was, I want to score, I want to score. My scoring makes my facilitating a lot better. Don't get that twisted. I want to score. So that shows you James Harden's mentality. 
Well, I don't think James meant it any kind of hostile way. I think it was more so of like, <laughs> I'm you know I'm James Harden, and I'm gonna you know I'll make sure I tell you know let Doc know that too. But I don't think it was anything hostility hostile about yeah, it. Yeah, but, but everybody else takes it. But maybe I, not. I, I, but I, you I, can't I, come out but, and say that. No, yes you can because I side with James Harden. And I've said this before: is you you have to get we have to get to a point where we stop we we stop comparing these players to the other greats. Their time is past. Players right now, their time is now. But, okay, here's um, my thing. Here was what bothered me about it. If you're James Harden, just say thank you. He just compared you to one of the greatest basketball players Okay, of but time. that's not you how... You not 100% agree. That's just like KD. KD doesn't want to be compared to anybody else. KD is worried about KD's legacy. But that... But James not, Harden's not... I mean, James Harden's just got but, an ego. But that's not just... But what I'm saying is... It's the same thing. James Harden, he's, he's saying, I'm James Harden. I'm not anybody else. He doesn't want to be compared to anybody else. Well, that, then, okay. And that's just fine. But my, okay, my takeaway from that is then be fine not being compared or not being considered a great basketball player. Have fun. That that does, he, yeah, okay, James but that's Harden not fair. Not, but that's James not Harden's fair. not even considered that, a great player. Okay, now. but he's James Harden. That does, But that's not fair because you look, listen to what you're saying. Because he's being compared to a great, that means he's great. That, I, no, he's James Harden. You don't have to be compared I'm to not, a great. No, I'm not saying he's he's great because he's being compared. I'm saying say thank you and just appreciate that you're even in the conversation. Because here's the deal about James Harden. If James Harden doesn't win a championship, which he hasn't yet, if James Harden doesn't win a championship, he will be forgotten in 15 years. Okay. We won't even talk about him. We're still talking about Magic Johnson. At least you're in that conversation. Okay, but hold on. Check what you're saying again. Charles Barkley never won a championship. Char- okay, but here's why we talk about Charles Barkley. Here's the difference. Charles Barkley was a transcendent guy in front of the camera. Like, he said things, and he stayed relevant because he's working for TNT. He's a likable guy. He's been on his. That's why we still talk about Charles Barkley, and that's also why, and, and here's, we make fun of it, but, there, but Shaq is making a point. How many rings you got, Chuck? He, he's pointing out that, hey, listen, if you weren't on TV, we wouldn't even be talking about you. Like, you're relevant because you've stayed relevant. James Harden's not that guy. Like, nobody sitting here today says... Yes, I'm, he is. You, no I'm way. telling no. you. I'm We're about, not talking about I, James Harden. No, Hogan. yes, you are. I'm going to tell you why. I'm going to tell you why. We may forget, but this generation now won't forget. Because in this... Listen, hear me out. This is why. Because this generation don't know about Jordan. We know about Jordan. The only thing that we, this, this generation realize, knows about Jordan is his shoes. They don't know how good of a basketball player Jordan was. They don't even know much about Kobe. But we do because we've seen it. This generation knows about James Harden because they've seen it. So they will be talking about James Harden. And if they're talking about James Harden and keeping him relevant, then we will be talking about James Harden and keeping him relevant. That's how it works with Kobe. They don't know anything, but because we're talking about it, and they we're talking about it. They know about it, but and it's we're talking relevant. about Kobe because of his basketball. What they're talking James, okay, no, but, but they're talking about James Harden because of his basketball because that's what they know. But they're not okay. Yes, they are. No. Yes, they are. I'm telling you, man. I'm telling you. I, we've been around it. Kids talk about James Harden. They talk about LeBron James. They talk about Steph. They talk but about I, Clay I, Thompson. No, I'm not disagreeing with the fact that they talk about him. But I'm saying that James Harden. He will be relevant. Uh, 
I don't think so. He changed. Maybe. He made his stamp in the game, so therefore he... Okay, what did he do, though, that would be different than Steph Curry? His offensive skills, his shooting skills. He can shoot the ball. You can't say he can't. There's been a lot of great shooters in the NBA. And they're relevant. But right now... They're still going to be relevant. Like who? In the NBA right now? No, no, no. I'm I'm saying I'm talking about all time. All time? Just because they're a shooter. Reggie Miller. But he also won championships. But he's still relevant. Doesn't but, but he won a championship. That's my thing. If he hadn't won if a championship, James, he'd still be relevant. Uh maybe. But no. we wouldn't we wouldn't regard him but uh, the, all, again, I will say about the him, Isaiah, he's also on the TV. Isaiah, did Isaiah Thomas win a championship? Yes. Okay. Isaiah Thomas, who else? Um let's look at it. Wilt Chamberlain. But he won championships. Won a championship. Players that didn't win championships. Exactly. That's my point. But they're still relevant. But they're not. Because if they were relevant, we'd be popping off their name. That's my point. But I, the thing... Okay, I'm not but you won't but, be a part of the conversation. But you're, saying, you're, you're talking mainstream. What I'm talking about, these guys are obvious obvious game changers. I mean, could you, you, can't, you can't look at it and say, well, James Harden won't be talked about in five years or ten years. Yes, he will. I'm telling you, he will. Not in a constant conversation. Not as an all-time well, okay, great. Well, That's we, what I'm saying. Like, we talk about okay, Michael but, Jordan whenever because we think Michael Jordan, the flu game. Michael Jordan, all the championships. We talk about Kobe because of all of his Okay, so, all right. How many players now, if that's the case, how many players now will be known as all-time great? Steph Curry, possibly Kevin Durant if he wins another championship. No, he won't. Uh, yeah, if he wins another if he wins one by himself. That's why that's why it's so important to him because he knows that that's okay. that's the key. All right. Uh, let's see. I don't regard him as one, but I think he will be regarded as one. LeBron James. I I don't think he should be a part of that conversation, but, but I he, think he will. He most like he most definitely will. Yeah, that's what I, I yeah. like. I said I, it's not one that I would consider, but I think he probably will. Okay. Who else? Uh, let's see. Just going down the list here. That's, my that's what I'm saying. I like there, there's, there's not that many. There's not but that's that many. That's my of point. Them. Yeah, that's it's my that, point. It, that, that's okay. But then, therefore, just that's three players. So you telling me in the next five to ten years we're gonna be talking about three players as all time greats? I'm not saying that the others. I'm not saying James Harden. Well, James Harden there. don't want to be an all time great. That, but, but he, he previously want, said that he did. That's my thing about James Harden is the inconsistency with his attitude. Either come out and say. I want to be an all-time great. I'm going to do whatever it takes. Or just say, I'm selfish. I just enjoy scoring points. And but I really don't care I, if I win I don't, a championship. But I don't see anything wrong with what he said. He's James Harden. I don't think there was any kind of hostility in it. I just think, hey, man, you know, I'm James Harden. That's just like what I said about LeBron James. LeBron James wants the same credit and respect that Kobe got. But he he's, doesn't deserve it. He's, he's LeBron James. It's LeBron James. But LeBron's seeking it. It's not but, that James but, Harden's not seeing it or seeing it. I'm just saying, just say thank you. I just thought, you know, just scrolling through, you know, the headlines or whatever, I saw that as not necessarily a slight to Doc Rivers, not necessarily a slight to, to Magic Johnson, but, uh, oh, I'm important because I'm James Harden. You may be important to today's NBA, but you're not going to be important to you. The, the the overall scope. I, I didn't. The, in I the sense of an all time. I don't break. see it that way. 
I just don't see it that way. I, I don't because that's what, that's what makes this show interesting. Yeah, I, I don't. I mean, I just don't see it that way. I mean, he's saying I'm James Harden because I'm James Harden. You have a lot of people who people compare them to, and they when they, as soon as they fall short to it, well, he ain't. That's the problem. And he's saying, I don't want to be compared to them because I'm not on that level. That's magic. Magic did what magic did. I'm James Harden. I'm trying to do what I'm going to do. Therefore, don't compare me because as soon as I fall short, then you're going to go, they're going to go back to that. Was he really like magic? And then he has to bear that burden of having to think about, am I really that good? You don't want to put an unnecessary burden on someone because you compared them to someone else that they're not. That's what I'm saying. So, therefore, what he said is, it's not hostility. He's saying, listen, I don't want to be compared to this guy. I know how great he is. I don't want to be compared to him because as soon as I fall short, I know the media, and the media is going to run my name through the dirt. And that's not what he's looking for. He shouldn't have to carry well, then, that Okay, burden. then we should never compare athletes ever, which is not feasible. Hey, that's, that's fine. But that's not feasible. That's fine. But, but we're going to okay, do Okay, but we're going to do it. But listen everybody's not going to have the same response. James Harden had his response. That's like if you go to uh, Jason Tatum and compare him to Kobe. He may say, man, that's great. Thank you. But James Harden, just because he's being compared to Magic, he doesn't have to say thank you. Well, he that, should. No, because that's the thing. You're trying to put everybody in the same basket and say, well, you should be grateful. No, I mean, it's not saying that they're grateful, but it's just saying I'm trying to state James my James Harden's a very ungrateful basketball player. I'm he's trying never to state been, my... He's never been respectful to any organization or any coach that he's ever had. That's that's my point. Is that at some point he needs to realize, if I want to win a championship, here's what I've got to do. But and you he, telling me he's not doing it now? Not at the moment. He only scored 16 points last night. Okay. But he, I'm talking about being respectful to the coach. They've had their issues. Who didn't? Kobe and Phil had their but, issues, but, but I'm saying it's a recurring theme with Harden. It's wherever he's at. It doesn't. It doesn't matter how well things are going. Harden is never happy. Like they, there's never a point where Harden is a complacent basketball player. At some point, he needs to just take a breath and play basketball. And, he's doing that. Well, no, because he feels like he's got to fire back at everything. No, they're trying he's to. Not, compl- he's not okay, firing back. My, they're trying to compliment him. But see, this is it, this is exactly why I don't. The media of today is because they make but, stuff like that, and but this is the thing you have to you have to read and think. You know, you have to read through. The, uh, you have to use your reading comprehension. You have to think about this. This is what the media does: is they put out articles like that, and they put quotations in there, and they quote players in a sense that they were hostile hostile about it. And they weren't. That's the thing about it. Is James Harden? Well, that was his whole quote on the issue because then he quickly diverted the conversation. Yeah, he doesn't want to talk about it. There's no okay. There's nothing wrong with it. Marshawn Lynch in the NFL said some of the most outrageous things to the media, and people laughed at it. But as soon as this guy says something, oh, it's an issue. It's not. It's just they have they have their response to the media because you have to think about it. These guys are in the spotlight. They know how the media follows them. How they're gonna paint them and how they're going to talk about them. And they're going to have their own personal response about it. James Harden has his response. And you can't say, regardless of, I mean, you can't say he's not respecting his coach, but that's a grown man. He, I mean, he has the option. He has the the responsibility to defend his name. And he has, he has 
the um, choice and reason, very good reason, to tell another grown man, hey, listen, I know what you meant, but, you know, I don't want to be compared to this guy. There's nothing wrong with okay, that. Say that, but don't say, I'm James Harden. I'm a scorer. Don't get... And, and here was here's my point. Here, here's the line that bothered me more than anything. Don't get that mixed up. I want a scorer. It's not even about winning. Well, he, okay, what if he didn't say that? What if he didn't? What if he didn't say that with a, with that tone? That's the thing you're saying. No, it with it's, that. Not, it's not even he did though. But it's not even that. It's the fact you don't say that. You say I'm thankful we're winning basketball games. That's okay, but we're gonna to tell. We're gonna tell. Okay, all right. So there's nothing wrong with what he said, but you're saying in the tone in the tone that makes it seem hostile. What if he said, you know, don't get it mixed up. You know, I'm a shooter. I still have a problem with that. Just say I'm thankful to win basketball games and move on. Go He's to the next a shooter. Question. But that that's my point with him. It's all about James. And that, that's kind of my thing with a lot of the NBA is that they are so individualistic now. They don't care about the team. They don't care about winning. And I think that that's why you're starting to see just a younger demographic with the NBA. I think that that, I, to me, what I saw in that article was more indicative of the larger problem that the NBA has. And that's why younger because younger people could care less about, you know, they enjoy the splash, the 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 pomp and circumstance. They're not looking at the basketball side of it. They just like that hey, James Harden scores a lot and Steph Curry scores a lot and you know whoever, you know the case may be. And that's all they're looking at. Yeah. They're not looking at the basketball side of things. Whereas, you know, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, Back in the, you know, whatever, we're talking about players who cared about their team. That's why we talk about Kobe, you know, the way that we do is because he did whatever it took for the team. He was willing to sacrifice for the team. His his goal was to win. And to me, that article wasn't, I mean, yeah, to me it said some things about James Harden, but it was more indicative of the larger problem that I think we're going to see grow in the NBA where only younger people care. Like, you're going to get to a point where an older generation that would love to watch just good basketball are going to quit watching because they could care less about watching somebody score a bunch of points. They want to see a team win basketball games. We're seeing it right now that if you don't have a team with uh, Dallas, Dallas is a good ba- I mean, ha- has a championship-caliber player in Luka Doncic. And Luka's like, please get me somebody because I want to win. And then, you, you know, you, you compare him... To, in contrast to some of these other players who just want to be about themselves. Uh, and, and that was kind of my bigger picture take from that interview. And, and those quotes was, this is more indicative of possibly the way the league is going. Where they don't really care about the championships. They don't care about anything. You know, They don't necessarily care about being part of the, the lure of the past. They just want to be known for their brand. You know, and all those things. Right, wrong, or indifferent. Not saying one way or the other. I'm just saying I, I think that's indicative of where the NBA is headed. And I think we have to be careful about that. Because anytime you reach that and you only reach a younger demographic, ticket sales go down. I mean, it, it's a domino effect. At some point, I hope that it's cyclical, comes full circle, and we get back to winning basketball games. But uh, that's not going to happen because of the players. It's going to happen because of the front. The, the organization, the front office, the guys that pull the strings and uh, pick the players. It's not going to happen because of the players. It's going to happen because of those guys. Because I don't believe there's a group of guys coming up in the college that are just that way. 
there's only a handful of full of them in the NBA right now. And honestly, you can count on one hand how many there are. So you can't allow those guys to dictate and say, well, we won't be watching the NBA in the next couple of next 10 years because of that. I can name on one hand. You're saying James Harden, KD, Kyrie Irving, LeBron, uh, LeBron. That's four players. Who else is? But like they that? dominate the headline. I think that's the issue is that they, they dominate, dominate the, the headline. But you know why? It's because it's the same reason why we do our job. It keeps us at work. That's true. It's entertaining. That, yeah, that's why they dominate the headlines. It's because the media has a job to do, and that's what the media does. It's their job, and it's keeping those guys like that in the headlines because their names stay relevant. They're always in the limelight. They're always in front of the cameras. They're the main guys that everybody wants to talk to. Nobody. You think the you think the media wants to talk about talk to Ben Simmons? He ain't done nothing all night. Put James Harden in front of well, you know. well, they do want to talk to Ben, but for different reasons. Exactly. Like, so, but his his spotlight ain't gonna be as big as James. We don't want to talk to Ben. Put KD, put Kyrie out there. Well, Kyrie's worth listening to because he's just interesting. Yeah, like I, he may say some off the wall stuff. Okay, but that there you go because they're interesting because of what they say and what they do on the court. It, it's not about. I mean, those four guys and. Literally, the only ones that I can name off, the, off just really, just four. And so, you talk about those four, and you look at what they do on the court, and you look at how they are off the court. I mean, it, they're constantly. LeBron James could be anywhere. He can be at his son's basketball game, and social media will blow up. He could be just sitting there coaching his son, cheering his son on. Social media will blow up with a video of him doing that. James Harden is in courtside or... Uh, at a ballpark, you know, him and him and uh Russell Wilson. I mean Russell Westbrook. Someone's gonna get it on camera, but it's gonna go viral because he's sitting there enjoying the baseball game because it's James Harden, Kyrie Irving. Just like I, I the video I said, what you know, um, or Kyrie Irving just out random day, just just enjoying showed himself. Up, showed up at somebody's house. Yeah, I mean that, and that's the thing, but. Randomly, it's gonna blow up because why? It's Kyrie Irving. It's not necessarily all about what they do on the court, but who they are as an individual. And so, when we're talking about James Harden and you know him about these his comments about you know being compared to Magic Johnson, the media blows it out of proportion because it's James Harden. It's it's not necessarily because of his game on the court. It's more so because it's James Harden. He's been in he's been in the spotlight of media since he's been uh since he left uh OKC and went to Houston. He's been in the he's been front and center. Ever but he since. wanted to be. I mean that's Okay, but if he wants to, then give him what he wants. That's the thing. It's not because these guys are just they're horrible or they're just inconsiderate. It's because it's who they are. It's it's, it's the the aura that they carry with them. It's, you know, LeBron James carries an R. He, he, he carries a certain ego, and he carries um, this certain type of presence with him. Okay, that's LeBron James. All He could be sneezing and the cameras would be on him. <laughs> the stuff that he does with the powder at the uh, beginning of the game, the cameras are on him. Yeah, because it's LeBron It's just James. weird stuff. It doesn't, that's, I mean, what the heck does that matter? <laughs> the other day I asked a friend, I 
because I it never dawned on me why he did that. Like, why does he do that? Is that like some kind of ritual? And yeah. I, he's been doing it for years. Yeah, since the beginning days in Cleveland. Yeah, I never questioned why he did that. It's weird, but I never questioned it because I I got so used to him doing it. I'm like, oh, that's just something he does. Yeah. But I want to know is it is it a ritual thing that he does? If like for good luck or you know to like establish his his presence. You know, like I'm on the court. You know, it's it's game time. Hmm. You know. Did Kobe, Michael, did any of those guys have that kind of stuff? No, but, I just walked out. Okay, but that's the thing. These players are more... They're, they're I, making I think that. that's my thing. I guess I'm the get-off-my-lawn guy when it comes to the NBA because I just want to go back to Kobe and We Michael all do, man. We, miss, we, we all do because that was different times. It was a different era, era of basketball. But the thing is, if we were to do that, we could sit here all day and remind people of that. But sooner or later, it's going to get old because it's only going to appeal to a certain amount of people. It's going only going to appeal to a certain crowd. That's why we have you on this show because you're you you see the transcendent. I'm still a bring back my guys. I want to play it a certain way. Let's run the wing team. <laughs> do whatever we got to do. But yeah, I'm man, that guy. I mean, I think James that, Harden, ladies and gentlemen, is what makes this show different. Yeah, <laughs> but I think you know if James Harden continue to do what he does on the court uh and he continued to mesh with a big guy over there in philly um joel joel mb yeah who went off last night he had 36 points so he they continue to they're gonna win i'm not i'm not saying they're not gonna win yeah and and so the media man as media persons people whoever we are we have to be sure i know we want to appease to the audience that's fine but be sure to get the right angle, the right light of it. And I think, I think, you know, you, he, they obviously put that out there for a reason. And we may have bit the bait, but it's worth talking about. It's not, it's, it's something worth talking about, worth being discussed. So they knew what they were because doing. Because we're not a clickbait show, but that was a headline. I thought yeah. it was worthy of a discussion. But that's what, that's a journalism. That's a yeah. journalist. Journalism is like that. They do the clickbait stuff. Yeah, that's <laughs> they, true. Alright, so something we haven't really had any news on recently, but some things are coming up now that kind of interject back in the show is Texas High School football, Ooh. which is suddenly becoming like the NFL, where there's always something to talk <laughs> about. But uh, So some coaching searches going around here in East Texas. Uh, a couple of kind of notable ones in a sense. One of them is Henderson. The other one, Hugh Springs. Now both Tyler schools, John Tyler and, uh, well, I'm sorry. Let me rephrase that. Don't cancel us. Tyler Legacy. And Tyler and High. And Tyler High. Yeah, I kind of pulled a... Who, what what announcer was that the other day? Was it Jim Nance that called him the Redskins? <laughs> yeah, I kind of pulled one of those. I still know him as the Redskins. Please don't man. cancel this show. We're I, sorry. We yeah, apologize. I Anyways. still know him as the Redskins. But uh, Tyler High and... and uh, Tyler Legacy, both still looking for a coach, but that process is going to take a little bit. No real updates on that. Yeah. There are a couple of updates. One, I'm going to start with the Hugh Springs job. Yeah, Hugh Springs one. seemingly has two, what appears to be, two finalists for the job. They haven't coached in years. One of them is now the city manager in Hugh Springs. One of them is the uh, high school principal's son who's an assistant superintendent uh, somewhere. I, I, I'm not... Real clear, wasn't able to get confirmation about whether he's in Hugh Springs or somewhere else. But apparently, they 
at least applied for the job, seem to be the two finalists, which is interesting to me. There's a movement to go to the spread. There's a movement to change practices. All the uh, assistants have been told to go find jobs elsewhere. Coach Edwards is done at the end of this month and looks like he's going to be going to Hooks uh, as an assistant. He's going to be taking his foster son with him, which, oh, by the way, happens to be the best receiver in Hugh Springs. So good luck trying to run the spread. But that he, here's my intrigue with that job. Number one, you just got rid of a coach who was consistently in the playoffs. Number two, you're talking to people who haven't coached in years. One of them's even in the public education system. And number three, it's indicative of the way that things are going in high school sports. Yeah, Daddy it, ball is rampant. Yeah. Where, you know, and, and apparently all of this boils down <laughs> to the superintendent's son is a football player. Edwards jumped his case at a practice. She didn't like it. So they've been kind of crossways ever since, and she took this opportunity to talk to the board that, and okay. push out the door. Now, I want to, I want to, you know, put a fork in that right there because I want to chew on that just a little bit. You're mad at a coach for doing his job, exactly. It's your son, yeah. But you're mad at your, you're, you're mad at your head coach, your AD, mm-hmm. for doing his job because it was your son. This is the problem we have in high school sports is you want, well, I'm just going to, I'm going to say this here is this is the problem that we have in schools as of today is because you want your child to go to a school. Mm -hmm. You expect that school to have some kind of disciplinary skills uh, and some kind of disciplinary plan. You expect that, but you expect that only as far and as long as it doesn't affect your child. Exactly. And we're That's getting to a, yeah, we're getting to a point now where you can't say anything to these kids. You can't coach them a certain way. Can't talk to them a certain way. Mm-hmm. And it's and it's making them sensitive. He's a coach. Yep. Listen, do you think Dangerfield back in in 85 Won those championships because they were being coached softly. You know they were they were getting yeah. patted on the back. You know oh, it's okay. No, Dennis Alexander was a hard nosed <laughs> football coach. And listen, Dennis Alexander. Okay, okay. Let's. You know what? It's time to open up the can yeah. of worms. I, but my I, no, but, no, no. I'm saying on the other issue. Yeah. The thing that we've been seeing on, I think yeah. now is a good time to interject. Dennis Alexander, as we know, uh, we know, and some of you guys may know as well, uh, was a candidate for the Pittsburgh job. So let, let's let's pull back the curtain on that. And we have good inside information on this. Yeah. And, and it, Because to me, it's indicative of this issue. Yeah. And I didn't even plan on doing this thing. See, this is why we don't script a show. We write a show. We don't script a show. Because <laughs> things happen. Hope we don't get canceled. <laughs> uh, but, okay, so let's pull back, because this this goes to the point about daddy ball running rampant and, and this, yeah. that, and the other. And, and the fact that, here's the other thing. School boards are afraid of controversy and guys who will actually coach. 
Yeah. By and large, they're afraid of that. So here's here's my point. So if you're Hugh Springs, you just did that because it affected your son. You know, you you want to win until it affects your kid, right? Pittsburgh, as we as we've known for a while, been sitting on this. Uh, after Brad Baca resigned, was forced to resign. That's a whole other conversation. Leaves right. A lot of applicants for that job. Over a hundred, if I remember correctly. Some of the top applicants for that job. Okay. Tristan Abram, who got the job. Mm-hmm. Art Bryles, that's the big fish. Uh, Dennis Alexander. And Phil Castles. Phil Castles. And the guy from... Uh, what, uh... Was it Cedar Hill? Cedar Hill. Yeah. It was a, there was an assistant from Cedar Hill. I, his name slipped in my mind. He went on to West Mesquite, if I'm not mistaken, to be their think, head coach. No, North. I think uh, it was North Mesquite. Or, or North one, Mesquite. Of them, one of the Mesquite one, Yeah, one of the Mesquite okay. Here, Here's the problem. Phil Castles was coming off that deal in Henderson, and I'm going to talk about that job here in a minute, Okay, where he was under fire because he actually disciplined children. Dennis Alexander was considered unhirable because previous to that, and here's what a lot of people don't realize, before uh, Coach Nelson got the job at Dangerfield, after Coach Waldy left prior to that, Dennis Alexander was going to get the job. It was going to a vote. Mm -hmm. There was a petition to hire him by a large part of the community. They go to the vote. Uh, they're, they're in the the session, you know, and so somebody asked him a question. He made some very controversial, hard-nosed, typical Dennis Alexander comments. If anybody knows him, you know that that's how Coach Alexander does business. He's just going to say what he's going to say, right? That's just him. He makes some comments. Suddenly, they rescind it. It never goes to a vote. And he's told, yeah, you're, you're no longer a finalist for the job. Mm-hmm. So then, he's apparently tired of retirement. He applies for the Pittsburgh job. Doesn't even get, from my uh, knowledge, to my knowledge, didn't get an interview because of the previous controversies. I, I mean, I, I never got that confirmed, but the way it was kind of relayed to me made it appear as if he didn't get an interview for that job. Why? Because he's a hard-nosed football coach, and everybody's afraid of that kind of a controversy. Yeah. Okay, Coach Abron is that kind of a guy. He, he demands respect all those things, but we kind of see what's going on there with that situation now, you know, where people are kind of wanting him gone. There's some questions there about whether or not, you know, he's what's best or whatever. You avoid Art Browse for the same reason. He's going to coach hard. Yes, he had that other kind of controversy previous to that, but he took all the heat for that when he went to Mount Vernon. You know, Mount Vernon chewed that that up for everybody. Yeah. You don't have to deal with that. It, it's it's a daddy ball mentality. Everybody is afraid of a football coach, like a a good hard nosed demand respect my way or the highway football but coach. We, but they want him to win. Yeah, but we have to. So the the problem with small town football is, I don't know how it is in the city. Maybe uh, it'll it'll have it's happening there too. But problem is, is that when you get you you have these players now, where when I was a kid, we grew up, we played little league football, we played pee wee football. Yeah, our parents watched 
from the stands and they cheered us on. Very seldomly did we see any any parents that that coached from the sidelines. There were some of them, yes, but there was se- very seldomly did we ever see parents coach from the sideline. The issue is we have we have these these players that are coming up in little league football and they come up in their football they come up mm-hmm. and all the way up through high school and their parents are still doing the same thing that they did with, at high school that they when they get their child get in high school yeah that they did when they played little league football which is stand stand up in the stands at the front of the stands against the rails and try to coach from behind the rails in the stands and that's an issue you want if you wanted your son, if you want to coach, you go to school, you get your degree. Exactly. And then you come get you apply and see if they'll put you on staff. Then you and only Actually, then first off, let me t- go learn actual football. Yeah. Just quit acting like just because you played twenty years ago that you know everything there is to know yeah. about football. So I, a good example of that. We had uh, when I was coaching at Harmony, we had the uh at the time he became the president of the school board. At the time he was vice president of the school board. His son was uh, the quarterback in 7th and 8th grade at this point. Uh, when I'm telling the story, he was still in 7th and 8th grade. This was his 7th grade year. So, pretty good athlete. I mean, you know, de- decent decent little athlete. We had a former uh, coach, Jeb Whitaker, who had been the athletic director there at one time at Harmony. Then he had gone to principal superintendent, retired, gone down to Houston to coach at 2nd Baptist as the defensive coordinator, come back as a retire rehire because he just wanted to continue coaching football. So he comes back on staff with us. He was uh, His grandson was on that same uh, team, so he followed his grandson on up. Head coach of the seventh grade, right? So Boston, uh, Seahorn was the kid's name, he makes a mistake. Uh, I, I can't remember if he threw an interception, got, took a sec, something happened. He makes a mistake. He's coming off the field, and he's looking at his dad, listening to his dad trying to coach him up. And talks back to his dad. So Coach Wigger yanks him and says, I'm the coach. I don't care who's up in the stands. You don't listen to them. You listen to me. I mean, we had that whole team running up-downs the next week, you know, for that same reason. Because at some point, these towns have got to take their hands off and say, we hired this guy to coach. Yeah. And we're going to let him coach. Right. But, you know, that's the issue. They, they, they haven't taken their hands off. You know, it's, you know, everybody has their opinions, you know, what should be done, what shouldn't be done. But the moment that you start injecting your opinions, uh, through your kids yeah, and, or through coaches and you directly do that, that's an issue. Um, because you can tell people all day, I think they should be running this. I think so-and-so should be playing this. Pittsburgh's going through that right now. Yeah. And I've done it. You know, I'll say, I'm like, why don't this kid, why don't you play this? Or they should be doing this. But I've never went to a coach, and I've never uh, told a player, tell the coach you want to play this. Well, it's just like there was a couple of things that I had questions about last season. Yeah. So I, you know, went to one of the coaches, and I asked him, I said, hey, you know, former coach to a coach, what what's going on? What's the, you know, we got some inside information about the way practice was and the way the kid acted. And I think that there's a lot of times where people don't do that. They never go ask the coach why. Yeah. What, and and not that you should question everything, but it, especially if you're to a point where they were in Hugh Springs where you're going to get ready to fire this guy or tell yeah. him he's got to go. 
sit down and have a legitimate conversation. Quit going into it like you know everything there is to know. Right. But Daddy Ball's running rampant. Another place where it ran rampant was in Henderson. They, you know, pushed Coach Castles out the door after a state championship and all those things. And uh, a winning record for the most part, except his last season there. Playoff, you know, pretty much playoffs every year. Uh, they get him out. Superintendent brings in his guy. Now his guy's gone. They're looking. Now there was 117 applicants. Ten are being brought in for an uh, interview. This is per Matt Stepp, who is a high school football insider. 117 applicants. There's going to be two rounds of interviews. Uh, Henderson will would like to have the process completed before February 1st, which may require a special board meeting to be called to hire their coach. They're wanting to do this. Of course, prior to really getting into spring football, that's a smart decision. Yeah. You want to get this done. That's why Tyler ISD is kind of under the gun because they, they're handling two different processes, right? And not only that, but they've got some applicants and things talking about there. Yeah. But they really... I've heard from some reliable people that, that it looks like spring break... That's oh, late. Yeah, that's not the, good. The, you know, spring What's... break's being thrown around. We see what happened in Pittsburgh when they waited till May, yeah. uh, you know, April or May, uh, to make that hire when Coach Abram was brought in. Right. And that's tough to do. And then to ask that guy to go win big time? Yeah, I mean, well, you, you know. didn't give me time to establish anything. Well, with, he, with Henderson, uh, their committee has some work to do. They have, yeah. you know, their hands are full. You know, you're going to have two rounds of... Uh, of interviewing and all this stuff. And so this is a whole process. And if, if you just, you know. But you got 117 applicants. That I was telling you this. That tells me that there's probably some established head coaches that are, that's names. I mean, they haven't released uh, Name, a list of yeah. candidates. But I, I'm, I'm interested to see who gets that job. Yeah. And after it's all said and done, I'm interested, because they will eventually release the list, I'm interested to see who... Still saw that as a desirable yeah, and, job. And, and and where'd they come from? Because we've said we've been saying this since we started started the show. You know, if such and such get rid of uh if they go, then who's gonna you know, yeah, are there any they, more they actual won. coaches? Yeah. Um and it could be, you know, a, a slew of them may be, you know, coordin- coordinators who, you know, are wanting a chance at a head head, head coaching position. Mm-hmm. But there has to be another, I mean, a good number of them that are head coaches that are probably looking to get back into it. Or looking to leave wherever they're at because yeah. they think, hey, I can be the guy to kind of get that yeah. kick started back up. So I I, don't, I thought that that was a, an interesting deal that was brought up yesterday. Uh, something definitely to keep an eye on. The other thing that happened yesterday is that Rockwell Heath... Uh, yeah. Place their varsity football coach John Harrell on uh, administrative leave pending a third party investigation after several students need medical attention uh, and or hospitalization after an off season workout last Friday. So this was the letter sent out to the parents. As parents of student athletes in the Hawks varsity football program, I want to make you aware of a situation that occurred last Friday, January the 6th, 2023. During the football offseason program, it came to our attention Monday, January 9th, 2023, that during the eighth period athletic class with Rockwell Heath High School football head football coach John Harrell, 
Student athletes were required to perform multiple push-ups. Okay. On Monday, January 9th, several parents reported that their students subsequently needed medical attention and in some cases hospitalization. Please know the district immediately implemented measures to address the situation and provide support for our students. Uh, to thoroughly investigate any connection between the activities of the class and student illnesses, the district is retaining an independent third party to investigate the event. The district is also t taking interim action, including but not limited to placing Coach Harrell on administrative leave with the investigation or while the investigation is pending and notifying appropriate outside agencies. That's interesting. District administration and campus personnel have been in contact with the affected families and student-athletes. At the beginning of Monday's January 9th athletic class, the campus trainer reviewed the following symptoms and advised student-athletes to see the, uh, see the trainer should they experience any of the following. Unable to bend or extend your arms, unable to lift your arms above your head, dark urine, and sharp arm pain. Additional symptoms to watch for include lack of urinating, abdominal pain, nausea, vomiting, confusion, lethargy, or loss of consciousness. The athletic trainer and campus service will continue to monitor students. Student athletes attending class yesterday participated in a recovery workout with a light warm-up and light stretching that was non-strenuous. Uh, then it goes on to say, of course, if you have concerns, you can contact uh, the administration. Uh, Matt Howerton, who's also... An insider said, a source told me players were diagnosed with rhabdomyolysis, whatever that is, after a strenuous workout period. Rhabdo is a severe breakdown of muscle tissue that releases a damaging protein in the bloodstream. Oh my gosh. In serious cases, it can be fatal or cause disability. Uh, wow. So a source close to Matt Howerton said to the team, he's also close to the team, said student athletes were forced to do almost 400 push-ups over a 60-minute athletic period as punishment. District will not release how many were hospitalized. Punishment for what? So 400 push-ups over a 60-minute period. I will say that on the Twitter thread that this was put out on, there is not a lot of sympathy. I mean, you know, there, there's a lot of saying soft kids, uh, you know, all of those things. I I, I don't know. That's that's interesting. I want to see what the... I, I think we need to hold off judgment until the third party comes out and says what he did was yeah. illegal. Well, <laughs> 400 push-ups is a lot. And the very people are saying soft kids probably can't do 400 push-ups themselves. That's only six push-ups a minute. But do you think they did that? I don't know. Like, I'm just saying that's a source that was apparently in on the, the situation. That I doubt, you know, people are talking soft kids, I doubt that was just, you know... That's what I'm saying. I, I think we need to talk. Hold yeah. off. I just thought that was interesting because, because if they were hospitalized, there were obviously there has to been some kind of stipulations. There has to been there had to be more done or on those push-ups than just regular push-ups. You would think, yeah, because if they were hospitalized, been diagnosed with with whatever that word was, 
That could be. I fatal. apologize that I couldn't pr- yeah. fully pronounce that word. You can go look it up. Like, yeah, but uh, where it's that serious, I I, I highly doubt it was just pushing. I, I would think so, but that's just what the yeah, and that's you what gotta the, honor what the source says yeah. at this. Uh, point. Yeah, and but you know, man, like I said, on. I want to I want to see what the investigation yeah. comes. Like. I think this will be something that we revisit. Yeah. that that's rare that you have a football coach. Fired for that, like something of that nature, right? Uh, that and, and like I said, if that's true and he did put those kids' health at risk, that's wrong. Like it, yeah. that he doesn't deserve to teach again, coach again, none of those things. No, because you overexerted your power and you overexerted a workout for no reason. Yeah, a punishment, man. You couldn't let you couldn't put Get together a yeah a program, a plan to say because you did this, we're gonna run. You're gonna do this. And do this. Yeah, that, that just seems like he went overboard. But that, yeah. like I said, I want to see what the third party investigation reveals. See if there's any more, you know, fallout from this and and kind of where that goes. But like I said, it seems like high school's starting to dominate the news cycle pretty good around here too. Yep. It, well, high school football kind of when it ended was like the NFL. You know, had all these had all these coaches and these jobs open up and these coaches yeah, retiring and leaving. And, and so I mean. Yeah, I do believe that's going to be uh, an article or a case that we revisit. I mean, here, in, I say in the next two weeks, possibly. Because yeah, whenever they kind of start releasing more yeah, details. Uh, but man, dadgummit. I, I seen that last night, and I was... Uh, I did too, and I thought, okay. <laughs> because I didn't expect... I like, that's Rockwell. I like, that's just right down the... Right down the road. <laughs> but, Rockwell Heath has been in playoff. Yeah. You know, they, they, uh, a playoff team. So, that, that'll be interesting if that comes open. You know, if it does indeed stay open, they yeah. fire him and, and what direction that they want to go. A couple of things in, in, still in college football. So, there was an interesting statistic that I found uh, yesterday after the show in regards to the SEC. And this was put out there by Peter Burns of ESPN. He says the SEC played the Big 12 champion, the Big 12 runner-up, the Big 10 runner-up, the ACC champion went 4-0 and outscored them 204-48. to When they go to a 12-team playoff, it's just a matter of time before it's three or four SEC teams in the Final Four. Not all college football conferences are created equal. I, I thought that was interesting. One, because of the, I mean, that's just incredible statistics there. But it's this larger conversation, and and, and we kind of touched on it a little bit uh, on the show yesterday. I talked more extensively about it off the air. TCU, what happened to TCU ruined Cinderella stories in the four-team format. Yeah. The, the, there's no way that the committee's going to let that happen again. Not happen. Sorry. Move on. But not only that. But when we go, everybody thinks that the 12-team playoff is the answer. And I think it's better because it guarantees that every conference champion gets in. You're going to weed out the teams that really shouldn't be there for the most part. All those things. But will we continue to get the same kind of pushback when, like he said, it's just a matter of time before four or five, maybe even six SEC teams comprise college football as far as the playoffs are concerned? Yeah. Well, we can. I mean, are we still gonna gripe about it? That's my question. About no, because we can't. Because then it's a fair process. 
Okay. It's a it's a fair process. I mean, because it 12... seemed like you know it, that was the big deal. Well, you can't put Alabama in there. You can't put LSU. You can't put ten, you know. And, and there was all this pushback about well, we don't need two SEC teams in the Final Four. Well, so you're telling me that Alabama wouldn't have put up a better fight than TCU? I I you know I beg to differ. Yeah. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, and you can people can get as mad as they want about this, they can get as frustrated, they can gripe about whatever they want to gripe about. College football is a business. Period. And Alabama, Georgia, LSU, Ole Miss because Lane Kiffin's still there. Yeah. Uh Florida because it's Florida. Although I do think that they made a mistake hiring Billy Napier over there, I, I I don't think he's got a real plan to get them back on track in the post you know Dan Mullen era, uh you know but you you think of all of these top SEC teams Tennessee now you know is suddenly on the map I don't think they're going anywhere even though Henry Hooker's going to move on you know to the NFL I don't think they're going anywhere anytime soon that seems to be a a program that Josh Heupel now has uh, not Josh Heupel uh. Yes, Josh Heupel now has built for success. Mm-hmm. You know, so you you look at that, and that's where college football's at. That's where the business is at. People are going to buy tickets to watch them play. Well, when USC moves to the Big Ten, I mean, they, they're already yeah. making noise in the Pac-12. They moved to the Big Ten. You're... I'm sorry, we we think that this twelve-team playoff is going to suddenly reveal how great these. No, Other it's not. Are, it's, it's not. It's just going to boil back down to how good the SEC is, really. And you're going to have about three, three if not four teams in there mm-hmm. um, that are from the SEC. And so, yeah, the 12, the 12 it, it, just, it makes it uh, more fair, but it, it will, it, it makes it it will more... reveal a reality. It, it makes it more fair from this perspective in that we're not going to be debating about, well, is a one-loss Alabama better than a conference champion two-loss who... That's the only problem. Yeah. That's the only reason that people are griping about the four-team playoff is the fact that you have a two-loss conference champion every once in a while and everybody says, well, they, who cares? They still won their conference. But think about this. Under the 12-team format, Kansas State gets in ahead of TCU. Gets a bye in the first round. Ahead of TCU. Like, everybody wanted to act like TCU was this powerhouse program. Because of their, they got beat by Kansas State, who got blown out by Alabama in their bowl game. And again, like I said yesterday, you beat a flat-footed Michigan team that we now know knew you know, Jim Harbaugh's leaving, or wants to leave, or whatever the case is over there. Called a flat-footed program. And then gets blown out on national television in front of everybody. And the argument is, well, that's going to help Sonny Dykes in recruitment because you may. I don't, wouldn't hold my breath. No. Because they just saw, uh, yeah, he can't play with the big boys, you know, when, when it gets serious. So I think that, I think that we need to see the reality of what the 12 team's going to do. And really and truly, it's going to come back to the blue blood. Yeah. You have Alabama. Georgia, LSU seems like they're going to be able to be there. Tennessee. Tennessee's going to be in there. I honestly think it's going to end up being those four. Very likely. I mean, <laughs> is, where, where is Ryan Day taking Ohio State? Yeah. I mean, yes, Jim Harbaugh may be leaving Michigan, but where are you? USC, I think, is going to be in the conversation. Yeah. USC uh, is 
the only team that's outside the SEC that has any any stake in the conversation. Even Randy, with Texas and Oklahoma going to the SEC, I don't yeah, see them. Being... I, yeah, but I, <laughs> you you look at it and you have to. I mean, like I said, it it exposes and it reveals a truth about college football yeah. is that SEC they are those guys. I yeah. mean, if it wasn't so, then they are who we thought they were. Yeah, if it wasn't so, then you wouldn't have the majority of the five-star, four-star recruits yeah. going there. You have them going to places like Wisconsin, Indiana, um, those schools up there. You have them going to uh, Cincinnati, Maryland, uh, South Carolina. Well, and- that's why I think the 12-team playoff is just a temporary thing. Yeah. And I think we will go to, at some point, what we've talked about before and multiple people have talked about on different shows, the super conferences, where you have a championship for the big schools and then you have a championship, a national champion so, out of it, the leftovers. About that, real, about that real quick is, do you think that some of the teams from the SEC would not make that? Uh, yeah, I think they would play? go. I think that they would, because I, here's what I think is going to eventually happen with the, so much money being thrown around. It's going to be Okay. We've got a TV deal for a national champion of this conference, right? Mm. Whatever you want to call that. Who wants to, a piece of the pie? And you're going to have some schools say, we want in, we want in. We... And then you're going to have some of them, they're currently in the SEC, they're going to look at the other schools who have a different TV deal, have a different national champion, and say, we've got a, a better chance of being those guys than we do these guys. And they're going to be able to, to move over and create a new contract. So I do think that you're going to see that. I mean, yeah. but I mean, at this point, with with the way things are sitting, I mean, I know that they're just getting into the SEC as we know it. But if that happens, I could see Texas, Oklahoma, Texas A and M, some of those that that look around and go, okay, we're not beating the top five, six, seven teams. Let's go win a national championship playing those slappies. Right. I mean, you know, it, it's going to change recruitment in the sense of you're still able to compete for. A national championship, but I imagine there will be divisions within those two. Uh, I, yeah, it's yeah. not going to be just a because big I mean, I like think it'd be really cool. I, I think it'll get national view if because we know Texas is leaving the Big Twelve just because they want to chase a uh, and uh, and Yeah, and, and Oklahoma's Oklahoma leaving to chase Texas. Texas. So it will be it will be very interesting if those they ended up in different divisions or whatever you want to call it. And they meet up for a national championship. That will kind of squash, well, not squash it, but he probably even more feel the, the, the rivalry, especially with Texas and Oklahoma. Well, because now you're playing for something. Right. Now you're not just playing a game to play a game. And for Brett, you're actually playing for something legitimate. But there's yeah. also a lot of money that could be involved. Yeah. You know, I think that's the thing. So... I think it's something to, to watch for. The other thing with college football, so there was an article released yesterday by uh, Mike Florio and, uh, of NBC Sports, Pro Football Talk. He does all sorts of things. Uh, very straightforward journalist. He's a former lawyer. Love reading his stuff. I listen to, to his things. And he put out a deal on SoFi Stadium. So, you know, it rained uh, late in the game in the, the national championship game. So here's the thing about SoFi Stadium. It's got a roof, but it's not a dome. Yeah. 
means it has gaps. Yep. The rain blew the gaps, <laughs> or through the gaps, and Florio says, listen, So by Sam should get an F for its performance in the rain. He, he goes on to say in his article, uh... Far more importantly, when people walked on surfaces covered in rainwater, they slipped. Some got injured. He says it represents a failure of imagination for the engineers and lawyers who should have ensured that any surfaces that would become wet have a non-slip surface. It's inexcusable, frankly, especially since the facility relies on people showing up for events there. Basic safety measures are a must, and so far Sam obviously bears responsibility for every injury that occurred. So here's my deal. I, why would anybody host something there? <laughs> it's okay. I told you the same. The same reason is because it's luxury, man. It's not. It's not because oh, it's just a great site, you know, or it's just you know, it's a great site. We want to do, you know, it's because it's a luxury. Okay, but but the NFL, and this is the point he makes at the beginning of the article, took Miami out of the rotation for the Super Bowl after driving rain made the experience less than ideal for the high rollers in attendance. Yeah, I remember in, that. That was uh, your yeah. Prince perform. Okay. Purple rain in the rain. He said this uh, makes this, uh, so if I say I'm a red flag, it probably does. You and, would, and maybe you start having conversations about taking ba- them out of the rotation. Yeah, basically, what it is, it's a bowl with a cover over it. That's it. It's like putting saran wrap over a bowl, but not... Yeah. Putting, not, not, not sealing it. Not, not sealing aside. No. So, that's what SoFi is. The only way you fix that is, is when you have... You know it's going to be bad weather. You get some kind of screens or... Uh, you install some kind of glass or something that closes it in. Yeah. But that's the only, you, you want to spend millions and maybe billions of dollars just to do it, but it's worth it because you can't have people falling down those, yeah, down those flights. Yeah. You, but think about what a disaster this national championship was for the NCAA. You had a blowout game that wasn't even close at all at any point, not even from the first snap. The NCAA okay. is in turmoil. Then, before that, you had to say, "Well, no tailgating," which had people in an uproar. Ah, yeah. And then it rains, and you have fans who couldn't tailgate, had to watch a blowout, trying to go home, slip, fall, get hurt, go to the hospital. <laughs> what a disaster! Like this could not have gone any worse. Not at all. No There's one, hardly yeah. anything that could have happened. Yep. Outside of Stetson Bennett blowing his knee out on <laughs> on a play that didn't matter, yeah. that could have made that any worse. At all, but the what thing a is, the thing and is, and I go back to it's a business. Yeah, the, uh, the thing is with this is, uh, you know, you talk about the tailgate. Remember when, when the game first came on, we seen the outside of SoFi Stadium. You know, they, yeah. Uh, I told you, SoFi looks like Mall of America out front. It doesn't like a place to to me. It doesn't like a place you but would they have designated tailgate. tailgating areas. Who wants to do that? Apparently TCU fans, Get apparently over Georgia fans, but that's what I was like. D- d- quit, quit playing at places yeah. that take away the experience. I, listen, hey, I told y'all what it is. I told y'all, I I agree with that. I agree they should have had tailgate, but I also on the side of them understand why they didn't. But 
It comes back to what a disaster. Yeah, it, the, the whole is so far. Is he? NCAA it's a, overall in the big picture? They are terrible. But but I think it's safe to say that we probably can't get right. Will not be seeing a national championship at SoFi anytime soon. Nah, maybe not even a Super Bowl. Yeah, I mean, I, like that's a larger conversation that's going to have to be. Congratulations, happening. you screwed yourself. <laughs> I mean, you played yourself, rather. Yeah, yeah, because you wanted to build a, a mall of America. Yeah. You put it Be right fancy. there. <laughs> yeah, be fancy. It's not seal the sides. Just leave it open. Put a roof over it. That looks great. No, man, Super, you need a Super Bowl to love it. It's a, it's it's a reason why they have they call them domes, not because it looks pretty, because you have the option. Just like Dallas has the and Arizona. I mean, like by the Superdome, like in New Orleans, right? There's nothing pretty about it. Like, you look at it and go, that's pretty cool, but it's not magnificent. Yeah, but the only way someone's going to trip and fall down some steps is because it's their fault, not yeah. because it's yours. Not because there's any rain getting in it. Yeah, but that that issue just comes, you know, uh, poor um, architectural design. It's Poor forethought. Yeah, it, you thought it looks pretty. It looks good, but it's dangerous, you know. Uh, and hopefully they fix that, not just, you know, uh, for any kind of big game, future big games, but for their the sake of their own fans and football team. So, uh, yeah, get that handled so far. You know, that's, that's bad, man. <laughs> you watch a blowout, you think, all right, well, I'm going home. I'm going back to Texas. Well, after I saw that article, I thought, could that game have gotten any, like, could that situation <laughs> have gotten any worse? It's... <laughs> It's like, you know, when a kid, have you ever seen a child cry? Or something happens, and it makes them upset, and something else happens and makes the whole situation worse. worse. So, now, now that person had and to spend you, an extra night in L.A. You just wipe your hands and walk yeah. off. Like, mm. Whoever I heard had to spend an extra night in L.A. that they didn't have the money for, didn't want to do. They were thinking, all right, we're going to drive back to, we're going to hop on a flight or uh, just go ahead and start to drive back or stay overnight in a hotel and start back the next day. No, you got to stay another extra day because you've hurt yourself falling down the steps. That's bad. So far, come on, man. Come on. Help. Do something. Do, as that guy on TikTok says, do better. <laughs> <laughs> do, do, do better, man. Do better. There you go. Talk about so far. That's a good little segue to the NFL. Yeah. What about the NFL? Hmm. Well, it's definitely, definitely interesting. Uh, well... So, uh, apparently, it's looking less and less like Lamar Jackson's playing in the playoff game. So, he tried to practice yesterday. Uh, he is, hasn't felt right after testing knee injury before the game yesterday. So, this is, according to Mike, uh, you're a follow of the NFL Network, Baltimore Ravens quarterback Lamar Jackson hasn't felt right after testing his knee injury ahead of the team's playoff matchup. Yeah. Uh, Adam Schefter reports Sandy has a chance of playing in the team's wildcard game, but that's looking less and less likely. In Rappaport report Monday, uh, of course, that his knee is still not quite right. He's on the way back. He described it at that point as uncertain, and then they tried to test it out, and it's still not feeling right. So it's looking like, I mean, and he had not practiced. He's missed, uh, this is 16 practices now. I say... Don't play at all because 
A knee injury, that's a very tender and sensitive area of your body. Especially for his style of play. Yes, and you don't want to risk anything else. You Okay, a uh, uh, great example, Robert Griffin. Yeah, uh, RG3. Uh, yeah, had same style of play, great quarterback, but got a knee injury during the game, kept playing on it. And kept playing on it until eventually it gave out and it tore him up. Tore, you know, it tore his knee up. He tore yeah. his knee up, and he was never the same after that. You know, and so you don't want to risk anything. Sit out, let your knee heal up. Don't try to rush yourself back when you know you're not ready. Uh, another one too, as as well, is uh, Carson Wentz. You know, yeah. Prime example. You, you don't want to rush yourself back when you don't have to. But here's... Okay, a couple of things about this. And we talked about this yesterday. You know, Lamar Jackson, contract year. That pretty much solidifies he's getting franchise tag. They're not going to extend him, especially yeah. for the kind of money he's talking about. But but also, at what point is the... Are we not going to learn our lesson about that type of quarterback? And you think about it. RG3. Blues the out, ever the same. Carson Wentz, blues the out, ever the same. Uh, Justin Fields, hasn't really been the same. Jameis Winston, injury prone. Uh, you know, hadn't played this year. Uh, Taysom Hill can't throw the ball. At some point, you expect his body to start breaking down. I mean, you, you just, Michael Vick, you know, injury prone. Uh, Kyler Murray, towards ACL. At what point are we going to go, we need these guys to be quarterbacks? We don't need, and, and it goes back to at the before the season started back in the summer. The NFL scout, you know, who remained anonymous, who came out and said, "Listen, he's not a top quarterback. We need to quit saying that. He's a good athlete, great athlete that we put at quarterback." And everybody was kind of up in arms. But you look at it now; that's what you got, and you and you've got an athlete now who's injured. He's not a top end quarterback. He's a top end athlete. Yeah, but he's not a top end quarterback. Okay, let's 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 visit this for a minute. Kind of go back. Let's go back in time. Uh, where do you want to start? Pick a pick a era. Uh, with that style of play. No, oh. just in, of quarterbacks. Let's, the nineties were filled with them, man. You had John Elway. You had Troy Aikman. You had uh, let's see here, Joe Montana. Okay. Brett Favre came in the league back in the nineties. How many of those guys ran? None of those guys that I just named. Exactly. They sat back and picked you up. Exactly, but because you, you know why? They couldn't run. They weren't yeah. fast. Then okay, let's do the early two thousands. Okay. Now Vic comes in the league. Tom Brady's main. We're gonna start with Tom because. Oh yeah, Tom. Tom ain't no runner. No. I mean, but Tom that, tried to run. He's yeah. embarrassed himself trying to run. Yeah. He tripped over himself trying to run. Tom, <laughs> yeah, Tom ain't but no runner. He's not a runner. Uh, let's see. Uh, 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 Peyton Manning. Remember that play oh. when he was with Denver? Where You see how long it took him to run 10 took, yards? Yeah. <laughs> he Eli not, made fun of him for it. He's he, like, really? Eli's another one. He couldn't run. No. But, Hall of Fame quarterback. Matter of fact, the last time Eli ran, Jalen Smith laid him out. Yeah. So that's what I'm saying is. That era of quarterbacks are gone. Even with the quarterbacks coming in now, with um, matter of fact, the only one that may actually be that style of quarterback, even though he can run, he will run if he needs to be needs be, 
is Bryce Young. Oh, yeah. He's the only one. Because he's been taught to play smart. Exactly. Uh, 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 CJ Stroud, Stroud is another one. Yeah. Um, Henry Hooker. Henry Hooker. Yeah. The, you know, they don't have to run the um, because they have an arm. They're using an arm. They, they're playing smart. And then uh, George Stetson Bennett, is this, uh, but he runs. But, but he's, he's big. Yeah. He's built for it. It's a little bit different. But, okay, then look at uh, Arkansas, Jefferson. Yeah, KJ Jefferson. Yeah. yeah, but he's a runner. Yeah, and so you, you, we don't we don't have that era of quarterbacks anymore simply because. Not, but I think we're gonna start seeing a shift back to because like the McCarthy McCarthy is yeah. another one. Oh, JJ uh, McCarthy. JJ McCarthy. So, but but here's why I think that we're gonna start seeing a shift back to what we were talking about with the Manning, uh, Favre, all those type type of quarterbacks. If I'm a quarterback right now, if I'm Bryce Young, if I'm Henry Hooker, if I'm C.J. Stroud, one of the top three quarterbacks out there right now, and the, you know I'm getting ready for the NFL draft, I'm watching Lamar Jackson, who's got all his coverage mm-hmm. and one playoff game, but got all his coverage regarded as you know kind of a freak of nature, right? We when he came in the league, we, that was something we hadn't seen, you know, especially at that uh, position. Yeah, but I'm looking, going okay. He's going to have to sell for a franchise tag. He's been with this organization his entire career. One one games, you know, falling short in the playoffs. One games. Can't get an extension. They're being reluctant about it. Giving an extension, the, the largest extension ever to an off-the-ball linebacker yesterday. But they're going to withhold from their quarterback. Because they're not sure if that style of play is sustainable. He's had to miss 16 practices. going to miss a playoff game more than likely this year. And if I'm one of them, I'm looking on, okay, I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to be RG3 who in his early 30s is working for ESPN because he blew his knee out. You know, I don't, I don't want to be a Kyler Murray whose, you know, future is now in question because he blew his knee out. I don't want to be a Jameis Winston, you know, who bounced around the league because he can't sustain. I don't want to be a Justin Fields. You know, I, you, you've got to start taking inventory. Yeah. I mean, Do I want to have a sustainable career or not? And from the other side of this, you know, if I'm a, a an NFL organization and I'm especially got all eyes on the Ravens situation because he's going to set the market now, you know, for quarterbacks because, it, you know, it's reported that he wants Kyler Murray plus – Type of money, yeah. So he's gonna set the market for that style of play. Okay. Picture this, if they, because because we're getting back, to, like you said, we're getting back to that style, right? Mm-hmm. Picture this. That's gonna force organizations. Not not saying that they're not doing it already, but that's gonna force these teams to actually draft an offensive line that's good that's gonna protect. These quarterbacks. Yeah. If they're going to be pocket quarterbacks. That's what killed Joe Burrow, you know, his, his rookie year. That offensive line was terrible. Yeah. And and even with Kenny Pickett, if Steelers don't build their offensive line, you're going to get him killed out there. Yeah. I mean. Even though you're a playoff team. Yeah. Right? But <laughs> you have to look at it as if, you know, like you said, you're looking at Lamar Jackson, Colin Murray. These quarterbacks that run that are, you know, it's great that they're athletic. But that style of play isn't going to get them a lasting career. The reason why Brett Favre, even uh, as of right now, Tom Brady, um, Eli Manning, mm-hmm. 
uh, Peyton Manning, all these quarterbacks, even even freaking Donovan McNabb, why they lasted so long is because they played smart. If I don't have to run, I'm not running. Yeah. You know, so that's going to, but that's going to, you know, that also forces these organizations go draft players. If your quarterback's going to be a pocket quarterback, you draft him some receivers and you get him yep. a good running back. And if you do that, you're going to do that, you get him a good off. You have to build a complete team now. Mm-hmm. You can no longer rely on, well, we're going to rely on Lamar Jackson and his legs to carry us through our fit. Right. Or we're going to rely on Kyler Murray and his legs to, to run around and figure something out. Or Patrick Mahomes to run around and figure something out. No, you well, have to. Patrick Mahomes is scaled back. Yeah. You know, we. we because you look they, back at his early that first Super Bowl, I mean, he's running around back yeah. there, and then he's learned that and, hey, I can't do that. And I think a big deal with him, where he learned his lesson, was the the uh, Super Bowl against Tampa in twenty twenty with the they, turf toe, and he realized I can't do that. And then he got worn out, and he said, "Listen, go build me an offensive line so I don't get killed, yeah. and I'm not going to expose myself." Now Josh Allen's a little bit different because he's. Again, kind of more of a stitzement, bigger guy. He's going to plow into you. Yeah. Uh, but he also has shown that he can be that pocket-type quarterback. So he's going to be a, a little bit more of a hybrid. Right. Lamar Jackson has done nothing to show us he can sit in the pocket. And I think that's why there's a lot of hesitation. You have other NFL executives saying, listen, even if he hits the open market, we're not interested. Yeah. Which, you know, sounds kind of absurd, until you start digging well, into, well, because you want to play football again, it gets kind of tiring. I mean, at first it was great, you know, watching uh, Kyler Murray, and Patrick Mahomes. Uh, it was nice with Vic because that was Vic kind of started that era, you know. Right. Uh, Randall Cunningham, those kind of guys, Rodney P- uh, Petey, those guys. I mean, they kind of honed that, but. That was that era. It was never seen before. But we've seen it so much now that it's kind of getting old. We kind of want football to go back to where it was. Quarterbacks were just pocket quarterbacks. They stood back there and they threw it, you know. And they had receivers to go up and get it. So we want to get back to that. Um, Because not because, well, we want to go back to the old ways. But no, it's healthier. it's, it's, It's more substantial. And you'll see quarterbacks last longer in the NFL. And yeah. you you know, uh, even even running backs, you'll see them last longer because you got a quarterback that's going to run it all the time. Why do you need a running back? It well, exactly it, it changes your philosophy. It, it changes the way that you design things, and I think it's going to stop pigeonholing uh, pigeonholing coaches into well now I've got to build something around this quarterback who can't throw. Yeah, and I uh, you know because we saw where last season. Josh McNeil tried to do that with Cam Newton, you know, when New England brought him in, and so they tried to redesign that offense and looked around, well, that's not going to work. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and, of course, that's a whole mess there in New England anyways uh, now that Josh McNeil's is gone. But but I think that, that it's going to set the tone for the way players prepare. You know, in, the, uh, in college football, they, they start going back to, hey, I want to learn how to be a pocket quarterback, tear a defense apart, all those things. And I think, again... You're waiting on this situation to play out because it's going to set the market for guys like Lamar Jackson as far as what kind of money's still on the table and who's willing to to pay it out. So I'm going to give some updated playoff odds uh, going into this weekend. We'll probably check these again on Friday because it's interesting to watch how things kind of progress as different news is put out there. Uh, let's see, San Francisco 
uh, at Seattle or versus Seattle. Uh, you've got San Francisco picked by nine and a half, minus nine and a half going into that game. Jaguars versus the Chargers. You've got the Chargers. Now, this is interesting. Only picked minus one and a half. That's interesting. And they're playing, uh, Jacksonville. Yeah. Hmm. Ooh. Ooh. That I think that that's one of the more intriguing matchups this weekend. Yeah, because I mean, Jaguars have gotten hot. They they're playing well. Trevor, Trevor Lawrence, Lawrence has kind of put it together. Doug Peterson's come back in the NFL. Hey, remember I'm still an offensive guru, putting players in position. That's interesting. Ooh, wow. And just as a I side note, yeah. Just as a side note, them making the playoffs has ruined any chance ever of a top end college guy just making the jump to the NFL. Like, if he has no prior NFL experience, that's not going to happen. Yeah. Uh, Sorry, Dabo. You're stuck at Clemson forever. Uh, wow. Okay. I, I want to see... you talking about Herbert and Trevor Lawrence. That's, that's a good showdown. Wow. Maybe setting a tone for the future. I, I, I am, however. I am glad that... Uh, Trevor Lawrence has got it, you know, got himself rolling and, and going. Yeah, good kid, yeah. you know, by all accounts. I, 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 and I, say, I said this uh, since then, um, is that, you know, we have to remember who he is. Uh, you know, Trevor Lawrence in college, and given the athletes that he had around him, I mean, that, that kind of showcased, made it even more possible, possible for him to be who he was. But you got to think about it. He back-to-back national championships, you know. Yeah. Uh, he is still that guy. I think what happened with Jacksonville, he looked around and was like, okay, I don't have T. Higgins. I don't have uh, it's ETN. I don't have, you know, I yeah, don't have all these Yeah, he looked at all these things he didn't have. Yeah, and he had to figure it out. Well, yeah. now he's figuring it out and uh, he's getting they it going. They put some pieces around him. Yeah. And uh, that offensive line got better, you know, in the offseason. So he's getting better protection, too, so... Hey, power to him, but I thought that was interesting. Only picked by... You're talking about Justin Herbert and the Chargers. Yeah. And only picked by uh, minus one and a half. That's, I think the, that may be the better game. Buffalo is minus nine and a half over Miami. Looking, We'll know today whether or not Tua is going to play. Uh, Tua, if he can't go today, there's not enough time for him to clear concussion protocol. The other interesting part of this is Teddy Bridgewater's the real backup. If Teddy Bridgewater's finger is good to go, he's probably going to start that game. Uh, but we'll have to wait and see. A lot hinges on today, you know, with those two in practice as to who's going to start and, and the situation going there. And if you're Buffalo, you have to prepare for three different quarterbacks. How about that? And, and you know that, you know, different packages, different yeah. philosophies, different approaches, but Buffalo picked at minus nine and a half. I'll, I'll be interested to see if Tua gets clear or, or they, it looks like he's going to play. I think that line goes down some. You know, I, you would think that Tua closes the gap oh, I... uh, versus Buffalo. Then you've got Minnesota uh, versus the Giants. To me, that's an interesting game. They got Minnesota picked at minus three, but I think that that's got an opportunity for Brian Nabal to win a playoff game. I could easily see them picking that one off. Yeah. Because I'm still not, I've not been sold on Minnesota. I'm not sold on Minnesota. You're not going to sell me on Minnesota. Like, it's just not going to happen. I'm not sold on Kirk Cousins 
That's it. I'm not. I, I I've think never been sold Kirk, on Kirk Cousins. But we gave Kirk Cousins a pass because it seemed like he was stuck in Washington, and we kind of felt bad for him because Daniel Snyder kept franchise tagging him and franchise tagging him and, fran- and, and and so we kind of extended some grace to him. But I'm I'm with you. I, I don't know that he's a top end. He's definitely not prime time quarterback. Uh, he's proven that. See here, you've got uh, Bengals and Ravens, and of course, looking more and more like. Lamar's not playing in that ballgame, so they've got the Bengals at minus seven. Uh, I could see that. If Lamar is indeed completely uh, scratched, I think that that spread probably goes a little wider. Then you've got Tampa Bay and Dallas. Dallas actually picked minus two and a half on the road right now. That's that doesn't... Not a, I, but that's not a confident minus two and a half. No, I mean... But if that's a... we we got to give it to you because we think the East was... More competitive. Yeah, I don't. It doesn't shock me though. No, it doesn't shock me. But that, what I'm saying is, that's not a confident minus yeah. two and a half on the road. Like, we'll give you that much. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but um, it doesn't. It doesn't shock me. I think that's another uh, big matchup simply because it's the Cowboys and it's Tom Brady. Yeah. Uh, so you're gonna look be looking at you know if Tom can Tom Brady. Get it rolling. Play get playoff Tom Brady show up and get it rolling. And can Dallas finally get it together? Can Dak get it together? And can that defense, you know, find that that explosive spark again? And you know, it, that's what's going to make that this game. Uh, that's what's going to make it a good game if it is. Yeah, is if the defense gets that spark back, and if Dak can keep it together on his passes and that run game gets going and if Tom playoff Tom Brady shows up. Yeah, I I think it's a and it's a standalone game. Yeah. They're the Monday night game, standalone, so that that'll be something I don't know why all eyes all eyes on the Dallas Cowboys and uh Tampa Bay Bucks. I, I a large part of it is because Tom Brady is kinda still wishy-washy. I'll talk about that maybe a little bit later or, or in the show tomorrow that Tom Brady, not real sure. We're not sure if he's going to play. And I think that the NFL is looking at that, okay, if this is indeed it, we want him to go out on a standalone game. You know, if, th- if this happens to be the yeah, end. If and they're losing, they're going to pause the game and give him a standing ovation. <laughs> and and st- it's still the Tom Dallas... Lost. And the other reason it's standalone, it's still the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah. It'll always be the Dallas Cowboys. America's team. Speaking of America's team, we had our insider, uh, Elvin Henderson, on yesterday for an interview. He was talking, he's a Texans insider, Cowboys insider, and kind of an NFL insider. You know, some, some people and helps us out with, with that end of our show. But uh, had him on yesterday, and there were some interesting takeaways in regards to the Cowboys uh, <laughs> that I took out of that. Number one, Sean Payton is clearly the man that Jerry wants. He, he's the number one candidate. Now, having said that, it as we were kind of doing the interview, you know, there was a conversation about, of course, Denver has requested... Dan Quinn. Uh, well, well, no. An uh, interview. Uh, an interview with Sean Payton. Well, yeah. Okay, well... So, so they've man. called and said, hey, we want to talk to Sean Payton. And it seemed, heading into yesterday, that it was almost a foregone conclusion that Sean Payton was probably going to wind up in Denver. As bad as Jerry wanted him, he would have to wait until after the playoffs and all of that. However, there was uh, someone close to him 
It was reported by Jeremy Fowler, some league are skeptical about Peyton wanting to hitch his wagon to quarterback Russell Wilson, who struggled mightily in his first year in Denver in 2022. So Sean Payton, what, he doesn't, uh, he don't want them problems? or Yeah, that's what it seems like, that there's skepticism in the league uh, that he doesn't want to do this. Well, okay, so that that goes back to Russ Russ saying, okay, he'd be interested in having Dan Quinn and uh, Sean Payton, right? Yeah, I think then. And, and out of the I, out of the four or five they've been requested, three or four of them are defensive coordinators. You have Raheem Morris out of uh, the Rams. They've requested yeah. to talk to him. I mean, so it it seems like. Uh, they're pitching to get back to a slower-paced offense, not an up-tempo offense. And uh, Russ- it goes back to what I said yesterday, that Russell Wilson's looking around and going, okay, I can't cook. Yeah. It's not working out. But then it's also Sean Payton looking, okay, do I really want to step into that situation? So clearly, he's Jerry's number one guy. I think as long as he's in play, well, okay, that's the guy that, that Jerry's going yeah. after. Well, we know Sean Payton's obviously an offensive guy. He's an offensive-minded coach. You're looking at the offensive, uh, the offensive situation over at Denver with uh, Russell Wilson, and you're saying, okay, that don't look pretty. Even though you got Jerry Judy, you have you have these, you know, you have some guys out there, but you're looking at that situation, saying, okay, that's a mess. We don't have yeah. a running attack. We don't have a passing attack. It's a mess. But you're looking at Dallas, and you're saying that's an offensive offense with potential. But you okay? If you bring him in, of course, you're clean house only on the coaching side but of things. But, but you would think that he's probably gonna want somebody who's not Dak Prescott. Yeah, and, and as the, much way as they got tied up in Dak, you you've got to think that there would be at least start being conversations about how do we move that. I <laughs> I say. If they can't move it, and they give Dak that 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 fifth year option, and say okay, and because Dak has what this is that third year, I third believe. year. This is going on his third year of that contract, right? Mm-hmm. So say okay, just to say Dallas doesn't make it to the uh, NFC Championship game, and that's that's the rules. That's that's the uh, limitations. That Jerry has set, they have to at least make it there. Yeah. Say they don't, they fall short at Philly. Mm-hmm. Mike McCarthy's gone. True. You you're you're calling Sean Payton. You, you, Despite, you get him. Well, okay, so let me just put this out there. There was a report yesterday. Jerry went on his daily show that he does on one hundred five, whatever it is, one hundred five the point three point three, the fan, you know, in Dallas. Yeah. And he goes out and he says, well, I'm not going to evaluate McCarthy off of one game, so this needs to stop. You know, he's still my guy. I, so I reached out to Elwin after that, and I said, what's the thought pro-? He said, don't listen to Jerry. He said that, that, that it's been kind of known within the organization that Jerry's putting feelers out there that if they don't at least make the, the championship game, it it's looking more and more like McCarthy's out. Yeah. Well, and, and this I've said this. 
I said time and time again, is that Jerry Jones, he loves the camera, and but he doesn't give the media everything. Right. You know, it's smart in some senses, but at the same time, you you let out let off this deception. Mm-hmm. And if you're smart and you've been watching and listening to Jerry Jones and following the Cowboys for a minute, as we have, you you know Jerry Jones. He likes to call. He likes to bluff. Yeah. And you can't listen to or believe anything he says until there has already been pen and paper put to paper, and they have signed that dotted line, and it's official. Because Jay, he's saying, okay, it's not it's, it's not hinging on one game. Jerry, you said it. Yeah. Everybody knows. It's not like it's a secret at this point. You said it at the beginning of the se- of the season. That hey, you're if not, we fall short, yeah. And you you may have known that you, I'm interested in Sean Payton, yeah, and that you weren't too already. You were halfway sold on Mike McCarthy as the head coach. Yeah, I believe, and this is my theory, is that there was a setup Mike McCarthy to be a placeholder until he was able to get Sean Payton. Yeah, but what happened is Mike McCarthy came in. And Dallas started winning, so you had to find some justifiable reason to let him go. Okay, well, I said that earlier in the year. Yeah, that I think that they won themselves out of the Sean Payton deal, and then now it seems like Jerry's saying, "Oh, but, well, 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 wait a minute, but, let's put another stipulation." Yeah. He had to, and it's a one game. It's a one game stipulation, and so you they they didn't do good when he first came in. That was a twenty twenty year. There was a lot of stuff going on. They didn't do as good. But then last year, they came back 12 wins. This year, they come back 12 wins. Yeah. So they're winning. It's like, okay, how do you justify letting this guy go now? Oh, I know how. You got to make it to the uh, championship game. And if you don't, you championship. Don't. Yeah, if you're out. <laughs> so here's talking about Dak Prescott's contract. If the cap hit for 2025 would be $21.8 million, the cap hit, though, in 2026 would only be 3.6. Mm. So I think that's something to keep an eye on, you know, if you bring in Sean Payton. Another takeaway from that interview yesterday that we did is that Dan Quinn's highly valued by Jerry, that there was some sort of a conversation. But I don't think he's valued more than Sean Payton. Because Sean Payton's already told Vic Vangio, listen, I get a job, you're going to be my next defensive coordinator. But it also feels like Dan Quinn, even though he knows he's valued by Jerry, even though last year he you know, withdrew himself from the conversation for other head coaching jobs, is still open to maybe going to Denver, maybe some other places, because they've requested him and granted permission to interview him, and he's not come out and said, hey, I don't want that job. Yeah. So there's something going on there, but he is highly valued by Jerry. We're not a guy who could have been a head coach again in the NFL, and he withdrew. They want to hire him. Like, he well, was getting the job over Nathaniel Hackett. Yeah. Well, Mike McCarthy still can coach as a head coach. And here's, we've seen a, 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 a piece of it when he had to take over as interim coach for... You mean Dan Quinn? No, yeah, Dan, Dan Quinn. He had to take over for Mike McCarthy uh, in the New Orleans game last yes. season. And so he got that chance to be the head coach, be back down on the field and kind of run things his way. And we got a piece of that was That was played an awesome game that game. You know, against you know, stopping Taysom Taysom Hill, and at that point, that uh, their explosive offense with him. <clears throat> but so we see that Dan Quinn is still obviously still able to be a head coach. He still has it. Um, I think it'll be a great fit for Denver, a great fit for uh, Russell Wilson if indeed he does go. 
because he he loves to run the ball. If you go back to that 2017 uh, Super Bowl and the Atlanta Falcons team, you had uh, Freeman. You had um, it was another another running back they had. But you go back to that Super Bowl and you look at it, they were dominating the Patriots mm-hmm. with that run game, and then they they just stopped. So we know that Dan Quinn is a run first coach. You know, even though he had Julio, and, yeah. and though he's a run first coach, one of the things that helps Russ is running. Yeah, you know, and, and we talked about this as while ago, but that's Russell West. I mean, Russell Wilson's identity as a quarterback. You know, uh, he's not the stand in the pocket, uh, throw it all day quarterback that he thinks he is. But Denver gets a good run attack offense. Russ has a has a chance to be Russell the Russell Wilson again, mm-hmm. and I think he's noticing and, and, that. And he's already got that relationship with Dan. Yeah, Clay. that's why he came out. So I I think if Sean Payton's out now, Jim Harbaugh is the other leading candidate for that job under Sean Payton. So I yeah. think I think it's probably going to come down to Jim Harbaugh and Dan Quinn. Uh, but but we'll just kind of keep an eye, uh, eye out on that. The other the final takeaway I wanted to really kind of rehash here: Kellen Moore is still apparently a hot commodity in the league. That there's sources in the league, you know, why? that are saying, "Listen, he it looks like he's going to get some interviews." But why? What has okay? Kellen Moore, <laughs> here goes the stats again. He's inconsistent. Mm-hmm. He's not because you know, oh he has the. Top offense. The only reason why he does that because he's had he has two good running backs in the backfield that has kept him relevant. Yeah, it's not anything. Exactly. It's not <laughs> anything that he's if, doing. If, if it wasn't for Elliott and Tony and, Pollard and Pollard, he's not even relevant. Yeah, that's the only reason. But it's nothing that it's not the plays that he's calling. It's the players. Yeah, he's calling the same plays. It's just the players that are executing it. But even then, it gets old and defenses catch on to it. I said this before, and I'm going to say it again. He is a product of Scott Linehan and Jason Garrett. Yeah. Who did the same thing, and it's starting to show now in the way that he coaches. And that's going to be an interesting thing to see Monday night, is if he can get it. Monday night is what make, what's going to stake his claim. It's yeah. how he he's able to uh, lead that offense and coach that offense. What? He's still going to be considered a hot commodity even if they lose. I mean, that, that's what amazes Why? me. That's... There's something about Kellen Moore that intrigues. I don't know if these franchises think, well, if we let him be the head coach, it'll change. I, I, yeah. I, I don't know what they think or, or what the – but, you know, apparently there's talk within the NFL that, hey, we're going to start requesting interviews for him. I tell you what, you better have the players for it. That's all I got to say. You better have a quarterback and you better have the players. Because what if Kellen Moore could run, which he, right now Mike McCarthy is letting him run his plays. The problem is, is no one knows the game. No one knows what Kellen Moore is going to run until he runs it. And then you start to see that correlation. Okay, this is the same kind of plays. Yeah. You know, we've seen the flashes of it this season where he run the same run play back to back. The first time right. is great. The second time is horrible. You know, uh, or the same pass plays. Last week you ran you you had two out route passes, one almost got the first one almost got picked off the second one definitely got picked off for a pick six. Mm-hmm. Why would you do that? Why would you call that same type of play on to the same direction? Yeah, but 
Oh, we'll we'll wait and see. But I I just thought those were some interesting you know points that Ellen brought up of you know after talking with some sources and people in the NFL that those, yeah. those were my big takeaways. You know, kind of yeah. as far as the Cowboys were concerned. So I want to close out the the show with a couple of things. Deshaun Watson oh, is back in the news. Gosh, man. This yeah. is the point that I've been making. Why did you not just put him on the commissioner's exempt list and be done with it? Because there's he he was told yesterday by a Harris County judge uh, here in Texas that he is going to have to appear in a deposition. He has to go back to Houston. Yes. Mm. She ordered Watson, uh, Judge Rabia Collier ordered Watson to appear for the deposition within 90 days. And this is, so there were 26 lawsuits, 23 of the 26 settled, one of them dropped, and the other two are still out in the open. This is going to be one of those women. She alleges um, non-consensual oral sex after... Uh, a meeting, right? With the same massage, you know, parlor and all that. So, not going to get into the legal side of this at all. Not going to get into the gory details. Doesn't really matter. But here's the thing. From the NFL side, why is he still allowed to play? Again, there's all of these questions. And you're going to continue to have these things happen. What if things come out in that deposition, and you know that they will, and he gets leaked to the media? Then what? Is is the NFL going to go back and say, okay, we need to retry this case? Like, at what point this, but does this end? This is all because this stems from them not doing their job in the first place, and allow and with them with him going to Cleveland, and then. Cleveland, why they would do that in the first place, them going to Cleveland and then, okay, well, he has to, he has to play, you know, we got him and he has to play. Yeah. The NFL should have stopped that trade and they should have allowed that case to go to finish before they made that, before they let that happen. Um. Uh, it's just, like I said, it's just it's from them not taking care of business in the first place. If they would have taken care of business in the first place, they knew that they didn't want him to play. Yeah. They should have just said that. But they had to make it, give him some leeway because he just went to the Browns. Uh, the Browns had already given him this big contract. Now, and they had to see if he was still capable of playing and still able to play. But as of right now, man, you're starting to see that this Football is not the most should be the last thing he's worrying about right now because with these cases and this coming back up, it may get ugly again. But again, I go back not just for Deshaun Watson, not just for the Cleveland, but for the NFL. You the NFL. yeah, they did. But and what and what did here's my and here's a question that nobody has answered. What did Cleveland know that none of the other teams knew? Because they kept asking questions, didn't yeah. get answers, so they backed out. Miami backed out. Uh, uh, there was one other team that was interested. Uh, slips my mind now, but you had, you know, 
two or three teams kind of in the mix for Deshaun Watson, and they all back out, but Cleveland suddenly knew something that nobody else knew? Oh, the Saints. The Saints were in on him at one point. They backed out. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if we'll ever get that answer. I, I, I would be interested in knowing what it is. Maybe maybe we will. Maybe we won't. But and you've got to it's, say it's, Cleveland, prime, it, it's prime NFL stuff, man. But Cleveland clearly thought that this was just going to go away. And now you're, your season's over. You didn't make the playoffs. That was a disaster. He looked okay. Coming did, back, not great. Did they think that they were going to inherit the the problem so they, they would be settling out or something? Maybe. Possibly. But it's just amazing to me that the NFL is allowing this to continue and this man's going to play football. With open cases like this... Now, granted, he, I'm all for giving people second chances, getting them help. But it doesn't seem like that's taking place. With Deshaun White. Like, it still seems like there's an off-the-field non-football issue that hasn't been resolved with him. And I, I just don't understand why you allow that until he gets to a place where this isn't going to be an issue, this isn't going to be a recurring problem. Yeah. You know, and we kind of can move forward. But right now, it doesn't seem that way uh, at all. In Major League Baseball, thank goodness, cross your fingers, hold your breath, Cross your heart and hope to die. That the Carlos Correa saga seems to be over. He's returning to Minnesota, the team that he opted out of, uh, to go talk to these other teams. Of course, we've talked to Ad nauseum. But Jeff uh, Passan poured yesterday. Minnesota Twins finalized a six-year, $200 million contract. Deal has a vesting option that can max that $270 million. It's pending a physical. But you would assume they already knew about all of these other issues because he played for them. He was the team, that was the team he was playing for when it went numb. So you're assuming that there's not going to be any issues there. He's having to settle for $150 million less than what he wanted. <laughs> but, hey, so now all of a sudden the Minnesota Twins become a very formidable team in the AL Central. That's interesting to me that he's going back there. That kind of changes the trajectory of the, the rest of what they can do. They're probably going to be active, I would think, in the trade market uh, trying to add some starting pitching and now you've got a, a good baseball team there in the Central uh, with Minnesota. That was that was a big seismic shift uh, within that division. Interesting uh, to keep up with. So we'll see how that kind of shakes out with the rest of Major League Baseball. But seems like that saga's over. We've got a couple minutes left. Any takeaways before we oh, close just, out today? No, I'm just kind of... <laughs> he just settled for less than $100 million than what he asked for. $150 like that, that's a big chunk, man. That's more okay. Imagine if NFL players settled for that. Like, okay, that's 150 million less than what I'm asking for. All right, but I. It it got to a point, but here was the pro- it got to a point he didn't have a choice. The Mets were out. Giants had been so out. It was sort of like if I still want to play, I have to settle. Yeah, he wasn't gonna get what he was asking for. All right, well, other than that, no, I don't have anything else. Uh, I think we pretty much covered today's news thus far of what we Well, we got a few things that we're going to carry over into tomorrow. Yeah, as of what we attained from yesterday and some few things from today. Uh, I think the big news yeah, tomorrow is going to be we're, we're going to see for sure on Tua, for sure on Lamar. Yeah. I don't think Tua should, should be playing. And, and, you know, Sean McVay's kind of indicating that uh, he's going to give an answer maybe by the end of the week, early next week. Yeah. So 
Lots of eyes on the NFL right now. Yeah. As I say all the time, NFL dominates the news cycle for a reason. Yeah. Y'all have a great day, and we will see you again tomorrow, 9 o'clock sharp. Oh, gosh. <laughs> all right.